Hello, my name is Dr. Margaret Rogers Van Koops, and welcome to Journey into an Unknown World. I've been uh, teaching a lot on this program, Journey into an Unknown World, since 2010. And over the last month or so, I've been doing hour shows instead of half an hour shows. What I'd like to do here today is to move on from perceptions into actualization. What that means is believing in your dreams and giving yourself every opportunity to try. Now, when we're very small, our model teachers, parents, friends, family members often give us a lot of insights into their capabilities, which we try to model ourselves upon. But being young and having a vivid imagination and an extreme ability to observe, often those things that we take into our brain are overwhelming. But even so, as being a young child, you do not actually tell yourself you can't do it. What your brain actually says is, have a go and see what happens. But your conscious mind doesn't even realize much about that perception either. It's instantaneous. You just have a go. And in the process of doing it, you could fall over, bang your nose, for example, and start crying. And in that moment, your conscious mind will be saying, you can't do what that person was doing that you were modeling on. And in that basic moment, that negative emotion, that feeling of being hurt, becomes a primary foundation program upon which you will build everything else that you experience. Now, let's be in the opposite and say that someone is showing you a magic trick, like how you pull a coin out of a child's ear. And while you're watching that, you get a glimpse of the fingers twisting the coin behind the man's hand. And in that moment, you know it's a joke, it's a trick, it's not magic. And in that equal moment, your brain is reverberating the excitement of knowing something a secret. And knowing a secret stimulates you to want to share that secret by saying, I know how that's done. Well, of course, if the magician knows you're going to give away his little secret, he's going to try and stop you by pretending that you were wrong. And yes, he might have another trick up his sleeve, like moving that coin from one hand to the other so that when you look, it's not there. Now, you might have a part of you saying, I know what was done, but the second part is saying, I'm confused. Where did the coin go? What did he do? Now, your emotional response to that could vary. It could be, that you're frustrated that you're confused because you don't want to be tricked because you realized with the first part of watching him move that coin behind his fingers so that you can't see it, but you know it's there, and then suddenly it's not. Well, your mind is saying, I don't know what happened. That makes me angry. And a foundation stone of emotion can be laid there within this childlike mind of yours, telling yourself that from that day on, you will, will be looking for people who are trying to trick you. And so the doubting Thomas, as we call it, within your being at that time says, I don't believe what people tell me because my eyes tell me something different. But hey, I can't actually see the difference with my eyes so I don't know if I'm right or wrong. Therefore, your equation in your brain says, I'm confused. Now, of course, 
As you get older and you're in school, you've got teachers who are telling you that they know the facts. So let's take an example that I had when I was about eight years old. I'd been taken out of a normal educational school system because back in those days, a lot of the children were brought in from the east end of London to the west side of London following their homes and properties being bombed during World War II. And so we were mixed up from social societies. We had what they called in those days working class uneducated children who could just about say their ABC and one, two, three because they hadn't been made to go to school in those days. Whereas my period of life was about education because I had parents who believed themselves to be upper class and therefore it was important that I knew how to do my ABCs, one, two, threes and read by the time I was five. So you can see that many of the children that were mixed with us in the five-year to seven-year period of our ages were at various levels of education. And unfortunately, those children who were not smart, having not been given the education the way I had, would pick on us more clever children, um, hitting us, kicking our shins, doing horrible things to us, and we would go home crying because we weren't used to being beaten up. Whereas the kids that lived in the East End of London were always fighting. Now, if I bring that forward into the modern idioms of today, i.e. culture structures, um, we know now that we no longer need to have class distinction. Everyone is equal, and everyone is given the same opportunity to learn. But unfortunately, those who have been reared by the mothers and fathers who were reared by war casualties have grown up with the idea that you'll never be clever, you'll never aspire to be more than just a factory worker or someone who works on a farm or laboring away in some way to supply and demand the more elite. Unfortunately, there are still people today who believe that story. But you see, the truth is, we all have brains that are capable of learning and absorbing information at the same rate. But if our emotional self, self in our primary education was stimulated by observation such as trickery, um, bullying, even hitting, shouting, yelling and screaming, a child will automatically develop an emotional insecurity that says, I am not understood, I don't understand those people who are shouting, so they can't understand me, a mirror image. And in the process of thinking that you're not understood, you also come up with an emotion that says, I'm not loved. And I certainly don't love people who hit me and bully me. So I will develop a, a sense of defense. Let's talk about a sense of defense. Well, there's various forms of it. We could call it chat back, answering in a negative response. So if someone says, I really like your dress or your suit, then the child would respond with, well, I don't know, uh, it's okay, and put themselves down. Or they could say, yes, I agree, mine is nicer than yours and yours is crappy. Excuse the language, but that's the way children talk today. So which side of the fence are you? Let's bring it into modern times. Are you a child that has grown up saying, that you are put down all the time by people around you, be they your peers, younger ones, or elders. Because you see, the conscious mind doesn't adapt to age. It only adapts to feelings. And the feelings 
arise out of your five senses. So let's talk about those for a minute. We all know that if we're born 100% whole and perfect, that the first thing that we do is look. And of course, when we look at something, we see whatever it is and guess what we think it might be. But if we're an infant, we have no clue. We haven't learned to talk yet. So when mommy and daddy or elder sister and brother come to you and wave something in your face, it seems strange. Maybe you laugh or maybe you cry because whatever it is seems to you to threaten you or to give you joy. So let's talk about those primary emotions. What is fear? It's a sense of not knowing how to cope in a given situation. On the other side of the fence, joy is being able to express in an emotion laughter and from that a pleasure sensation runs through your body to the brain giving you a sense of capability. Now, it's not that you're doing an equation. It's not that you're saying, I know this and I know that, because you're an infant, you're a young child, you're a toddler, you're exploring. So what is it that gives you the opportunity to know whether you're happy or sad? Well, it's very simple. It's the primary coding that we call the soul coding that is given to you from the oneness into your spirit awareness before you come into embodiment to live a life. And I might add here that we all live many, many hundreds of lives over eons of time, not only here on this planet, but in other planets. But what we need to realize is that wherever we are, whether we're born, for example, in Africa, India, Europe, or South America, just to name the continents a little, we begin to realize that we have our differences, partly because of the climate, partly because of the history of what has gone before, and partly because of the nature of interactions between wars and peace. But if we were to come out of body, go into the Akashic Records, and look at a life that we had, say, on Syria, or Syrian people, who were in a star complex, long now died out, we would have found that our species would have looked a little different, we were taller, we were bigger, and we were definitely more angelic in our vibrations of living in harmony. But you know, when we have a perfect scenario to live in harmony, ultimately there becomes a state of stillness, of so much peace and serenity that one is simply being. And in the process of just being, there is no growth. One becomes static, still, and ultimately in non-existence. So many of the Syrians of that period so, so long ago, who were much grander, taller, and more spiritual, were the remnants of the creation of all that we call God in its most highest form in embodiment. But we as individuals on earth can't know this, we don't understand this, so where do we get this information from? Well, in the heart of the oneness is the core of all that is, where all things are instantly known. It's like saying that thousands and billions of hundreds of thousands beyond our measure of impulses are collectively arriving at a central point where everything is known in an instant. Now, coming back to us as humans, 
Can you imagine yourself being an infant, knowing everything the moment you're born? It would be overwhelming. In fact, it would be impossible for anyone to understand how an infant could be telepathic, talk, dance, sing, jump, hop, skip, and even move through walls. Because, yes, the understanding of form is that we are all photon aspects of light. Tiny little, shall we say, glitters of light. But our bodies are so densely packed that we see ourselves as solid. When we awaken through the third eye to visions from the oneness, we get glimpses of speckles of light, of colors of light. Many psychics say they see a lot of purple and lavender because that is the color of pink and blue and red and green mixed together, giving us shades of purple. So why would purple be drawing us towards lavender? Because purple is the density of form, whereas the light opalesque lavender is the expansive energy of a spirit consciousness which has more, shall we say, this is hard to define, so I'm trying to look for the words, um, the speculation of form changes constantly. So the particles of light are not dense. They are very free in their movement. So if you see a spirit guide who looks like a Roman, he or she may well turn up some 10 or 20 years later looking like a Native American. And you may say it's a different guide, but you're actually looking at the same spirit who is just showing you a different form. When I'm out of body in the spirit world and teaching there in the astral, I know that when I sit and just give my talks, as indeed I'm giving to you now, that all the students who are with me are seeing my oscillation and attuning to the image they recall of me. And since my oscillation is moving so quickly, there isn't any time in the vision of seeing me. So in the same way, you will look at people on earth and you will see one person and you will notice their eyes and their mouth and their nose. And maybe 10 years later, look at someone and see a similar feature that reminds you of the person you saw before. Now here on earth we know that these are different spirits in different forms. But ultimately, the consciousness of our spirit is still looking to identify with familiarity. In other words, we want to feel safe when things remind us of things that have been good. But we also do the same when we see negative things. Now, if you're in the spirit world and you go into the lower realms of the dark side, and by the way, I wrote a book called The Dark Side that you can read and learn about from me. If you go there, then you're going to find many spirit entities who have very many different forms that seem eerie and uh, uncomfortable to be with because they're so dense, they're so impact with their energy. They have often entwined themselves with other forms and it's very difficult to separate who's who. Now, we here on Earth have visions of those creatures. We call them ghoulies and goblins, gargoyles. We call them vi vampires and vipers and things like this, snakes and other forms that we don't like on this Earth. But in reality, we've all been those shapes and sizes before. It's taken time for all of us to integrate our experiences and to evolve spiritually in a thousand and one ways. And here, I would like to say to you that as you think about the enormity of growth in the spiritual sense, from the darkest, deepest, densest part of existence to the lightest, 
uh, vibration that's so something, shall we say, like a feather that we can relate to here on earth, yet have movement, we are all, in a sense, both. We can be this great light being of peace and tranquility and leave everyone a wonderful message of divine love and people will honor the memory of the life that we've lived. And then we could turn up in another life as an ogre and a monster, causing the death of millions of people who will then pass back into the spirit world and say thank you for the experience of having a dark life because I needed that to remind me from where my roots came when we were first created. And of those living who follow on after the dark period, they will recall the bad things that were done and say, never again. But hey, let's talk about World War One and World War Two. Didn't people say when World War One finished, when the Maginot Line finally came to a stop and both sides sang their national anthem together at Christmas? Wasn't it a time when for a moment they said, peace? Wasn't it a time when they said, never again will we fight this way? And yet, within no time at all, only a distance of some 30 years, we had World War II again. People were yet again saying, how horrible, how tragic, how terrible, so many Jews were suffering. And of course today, they still say we were the chosen ones. But I must remind you that we have all incarnated as Jews throughout time. And so we have all suffered the way Jews talk about it today. And whether we were good Jews or bad Jews, whether we were in tribes that fought other tribes, whether we were with Abraham or even before those times when we were nomadic in that part of the world, we all had fear, pain, anger, guilt and loss, as well as great moments of unity, of spiritual awareness, of the power of love divine in our beings when things went well. Imagine walking for 40 years throughout the deserts of the Middle East to find your home. Well, here we are today. People are moving from country to country, trying to find a new home, a place where people will allow them to enter. And of all the places that we know about from World War I and II, we know the Germans were the cause of those wars, and yet, today, here they are, taking in most of the refugees from around the world. Karma, you might call it, fate, destiny, or shall we say, leaders who teach us very clearly through this last ending of the Piscean Age, that we are all both the dark and the light. And those who were on the earth doing things that were bad to the Jews and to the other peoples in the First World War, we can now say are in love and kindness to those who have reincarnated, not as Jews, but as other nationals from other countries who are in suffering and who are once again looking for peace and tranquility. So those who were kind are suffering, and those who were suffering before are kind. Here we see the opposites coming together in different time periods to teach us all in observation that we are all human. We are the human race. But if you think back 
through eons of time not recorded, where we find old temples that have been buried by sand. In fact, I have a picture of my grandpa standing under the chin of the Sphinx in nineteen sixteen. And today, you can look at the Sphinx, and the pores are revealed. But back then, in nineteen sixteen. My grandfather was a great dowser, and he talked to me about his research as he doused the sand, saying how many feet down the sand had to be removed, and how there were rooms in there because he doused and found, shall we say, open spaces, because from his consciousness. In those days, he was trying to understand what he was dowsing and perceiving. Of course, being his granddaughter, I was taught to douse, and as I learned more and more about Egypt, I began to awaken to my Egyptian lives way before even the pyramids were built. When we weren't Egyptians, we were aliens, and. Underneath that great Cheops pyramid is a whole complex of more、um, buildings. So you see, it's not as simple as people think. And as you've seen the Sphinx uncovered, so I tell you, there is much more beneath the soil in that part of the world. In fact, I'm quite excited to meet gentlemen that's coming over. To the five D events, who is from Egypt? He's an Egyptologist, and I happen to know where there is a lot of treasure that we can expect to uncover once someone listens to me. Maybe you're psychic. Maybe you feel you know things about Egypt or other countries. How would you know that? Well, like me, you've been encoded. With memories, and those memories are key to your future and the things that you will do, as well as key to what you share with other people who will want to learn from you. Now, here I'm going to stop a little bit and talk about my books, not in pitching them at you, but to say that if you are a student of the paranormal and you would like to learn more. You can always contact me, Professor. That's P R O F Margaret M A R G A R E T R B C at gmail dot com. If you write to me, I will let you know about our classes that will happen soon on EasyPeasySolutions dot org. I've been processing trying to do this for over a year and a half. It has taken a lot of ups and downs to realize that I had a lot to learn, not about what I wanted to share, but how to actually talk to people on a computer. And I'm happy to say that there have been many wonderful bright spirits who have been born much later than I. Who are now making it possible for all of us to talk to one another around the world, and of course, Zoom is an ideal situation where we can all talk to one another and learn from one another. And I assure you that there are others coming now who will improve on that and give us an even better way to communicate. But what about the dark side? In the dark side, or what they call the dark web, are people who take advantage of the ways that we communicate. They're getting into our bank accounts, stealing our money. They're confusing organizations so that their bookkeeping and whatever else they have is, shall we say, completely destroyed. And there are people working really hard to prevent that. You might say we are once again at war, the Third World War, 
not of physical bonds, but of technology. Everything that we always do in some way creates victims, successors, followers, leaders, and in some way, destroyers. It is the way of the oneness that we generate energy so that we can keep the oneness alive. Because if, like the Syrian people, they all became so docile that there was no evolution, then once in spirit form, they realized there should be action. And action creates friction. So here on this planet now, we are a constant focal point, not just for us, but for many other alien cultures and other planets who like to come here, observe us, see how we mix up the dark and the light, and yet somehow find a balance in our existence, where we rejuvenate our beings, we process our education, evolving both physically, mentally, and spiritually. And ultimately, as a result of unifying, coming together in peace, we manifest something new, something that can be appreciated by all. So here we are. We've got the COVID-19, which is actually, as I said in my little booklet that is up on um, Kindle, thanks to my PR guy, John Paul Fletcher, um, where you can go and understand how this COVID-19 virus is mutating. Now, it's not something created by the Chinese or the Russian. It actually existed 5,000 years ago in the area of the poles, which were no longer the poles at that time, but rather Greenland, and where they're starting to find pyramids and things like that now, because the ice is melting. And uh, I'm happy to say that even though I denounced this long before a video came out on YouTube, that the scientists had pulled out their long uh, frozen poles of ice that they'd been researching and found the virus in the ice 5,000 years ago. So thank you, scientists, for backing up what I've said. But hey, where, why did they suddenly want to look? Because, you see, we all have deep within us a knowing that something has been here before. And when it arises again, it is a test for us to begin to realize we must see things that we use in a different format. Back in the 50s and 60s, music became a different style of music. Before that, it was Friday night, it was music night, and we had all the old music from the 20s, even some back from the 1800s. And I grew up with vaudeville music which today young children would say, what's that? And here we are today with rap and uh, different kinds of music, soul music and uh, yelling, screaming music, as I call it, uh, because people are getting rid of their angers and their frustrations through vocal singing. But think about singing. You're resonating air through your larynx, you are vibrating energy. So when you shout, rant and rave at someone, that energy is coming out of your aura, across the room, hitting the person you're yelling at. Well, small wonder they want to defend themselves and yell back. And so what we have is a mixture of sounds in a room that are splattering one another towards the walls, which then are absorbed into the walls because, after all, that's form as well, and it is also sound resonating. And along comes a medium, some 10, 20 years later, walks in the room and says, oh my goodness, there was a terrible argument in this room that caused a death. Everyone goes, oh wow, how do you know that? 
Well, we know that because we've seen death in the past thousands of times in our spirit consciousness. We've seen violence. We've seen anger. We've seen things that are beyond anything we'd want to see, that are so cruel, so horrible. And yet, we don't forget it. Because it reminds us that we are spiritual beings and that there is a light side of us where we can give truth, honor, respect, and trust to one another in such divine love that we feel brotherly, sisterly, and even in oneness, unified in deity of God. Here I'd like to say, yet again, if you really are a student of wanting to understand the oneness and all that is, I have a very fat book called Journey into an Unknown World, the same as this show, Journey into an Unknown World, The Way to Oneness Revisited. In there, it teaches you from the beginning of creation was the Word, and the Word was a vibration. And the vibration consisted of sound and color. And if you think of color now, we love to wear colors because colors give us a vibration, a resonation. And that reverberates throughout our body, giving us an opportunity to think. Now, if we were born in a country where you don't wear clothes, you're naked and that's normal and nobody thinks about it because that is normal. But you might dress your body up with some bones that you found in an animal or you might do some picking of your skin to create a pattern on it, like the Maoris. There were symbols, there were beliefs in the spirituality of their existence as natives. Today, we have religions, and there are many, many of them, that say we have rituals and routines in the way we dress and perform on certain days to remember our origins, our beginnings. And each faith, no matter its form and shape, we always have a God figure head, because we have this sense separation. Here on earth we are separated from the source that is God. But the source that is God is in its form the expansion of all that exists in all forms, united in vibration, resonation, reverberation, yes, and echoes throughout the cosmos where all forms receive that impulse, that energy. And each form in its own way responds according to perceptions, as I spoke about last time. What is a perception? Coming back to I'm saying we see light. You might be staring at a hill and on the corner of your eye, you see a flicker of something. And when you look, you suddenly realize there's a rabbit nearby. Or you could be in a store looking at food, wondering what you'd like for dinner. And out of the corner of your eye, some hand touches some food you hadn't noticed. And when you go to look closely, you find yourself thinking, I'd like to try that. I'll buy that instead. So whether it's a rabbit or a hand, something distracts you from paying attention to all that you look at in front of you. We don't realize it, but we are absorbing many images all the time from our periphery of sight. And at the same time, our ears, just like animals, are poking up to listen for sound. Sounds that could warn us of danger and sounds that can give us a tremendous sense of belonging, being happy and peaceful. 
Let's talk about laughter. Some people have really strange laughs and loud laughs, and other people have little giggles and smirks. We all have our own way of expressing our joy, but unfortunately, there are some people who laugh and make ridicule. Can't even say that spirit. Let me get it out. Ridicule <laughs> of people's beliefs. Now. We might say poor them because they don't get it. They're not using their peripheral sounds or sight. They're not listening to the sounds behind the sounds they're focused on. So, for example, if I took you to a concert, you might be focused on two or three of the musicians while not paying much attention to some of the others. Who are playing very quietly in the background, or perhaps you're listening to them and you're not listening to the singer. You see, we all are selective in the things that we want to listen to, and they are relative to our own resonation, our reverberation, the echoes that we put out. We're looking for harmony in sound, as well as harmony. In color that comes to our eyes. So, what happens if we are born without sight? Well, color's still there, and it's still reverberating in your aura, but your spirit mind can see it. Unfortunately, the conscious mind cannot compare colors with what you see physically with your eyes. But I know that the spirit will give a blind person a sense of color through the resonation, hot and cold. Hot is red, cold is blue. That's how we talk about it. But there are many shades of those colors, and there's many mixtures of those colors. We also know that yellow. Is a color of thought, and so a person that's blind muses on their sense of perception as they walk around, developing psychometry. Psychometry is the ability to absorb energy, interpret it into a form, and understand how its shape is by feel, and then from there what to do with it, how to use it. Now you may not realize this, but when you were born, even though you have all five senses, your spirit is doing exactly that in the beginning, which is why babies put everything in their mouths, because everything that goes from the mouth goes to the hearing, to the vision, and into the brain. Your mouth is one of the most sensitive places on your body. The second most sensitive place is your private parts. So the combination of a baby having things in mouth and poop and pee in nappy diapers is all about sensations and a great learning process of knowing one has a body. So here I'd like to point out that you have encoded your body with your experiences throughout your life, and that coding. Is in your muscles, in your nervous system, that responds to your brain. So when your brain is busy trying to compare sounds, visions, feelings, sensations, your stance, your position that you take in the body language, which we now call NLP, neural linguistic programming, is readable. Because we've evolved away from the times of "Hey, I'm just a flapper dancer in the 1920s, trying to look pretty and gorgeous in my polarized dress," to "Hey, I understand technology. I'm a scientist. I'm doing things like finding new formulas and new ways of bringing consciousness into rationale." And into an awakened sense 
of the importance of our bodies in functioning perfectly. Well, we all want to be perfect in size and shape, but we're not. Why? Because we're influenced by all the RNAs I spoke of in my last talk. And what we want you to understand is that we need you to be different. We need some of you to be really fat and some of you to be really thin. We need some of you to be overdressed and others barely covered so that we can have that controversy. But what we don't need is to judge and condemn people for their differences, but rather to learn to understand their cultures, their philosophy, their theology, their spirituality of what makes them click and kick inside to be motivated to be different. Let me talk about the black issue that's arisen all over the world right now. You know, when we go back in history that's most recent, we see how so many black people have been victimized, enslaved, carried off from their native lands, not only from Africa, but from the Middle East and many other places where they had either been taken by prior nations such as the Romans and going back even further to the Atlanteans and going back even further to Lemuria and going back even further to other species from other planets who even took species of our beings off world. So we must say here very categorically that we humans are biotechnically engineered species. We are a mixture of many races of aliens and we have learned to compensate for the changes that were made to us. And now at this time there is an awakening of an awareness that aliens do exist, that they are amongst us and that they do come to help us. But unfortunately there are those who want to see the dark side of their nature, to make them become monsters who will in some way annihilate us. We've seen movies that say those things. But we've also got people who want to get in a spaceship and fly to the moon and out to the great cosmos. Well, we're not ready for that yet because we haven't understood sound here in this world. Once we understand it, its vibration, its color, and how to use it, and tap into it, and work with polarities, we only know about magnets now. But the universe and the cosmos is full of polarities. And it will take a long time before we on this planet can evolve to the kind of way that we think we will. So let's come back to those aliens. They tried living here. They did their thing. They interfered with whoever was here, whatever species it was, as we might say, or not. They took our energy and procreated us in a different way to make us more human, more spiritual, more aware, to give us individuality, to give us different appearances so that we would be able to integrate or be in opposition so that we would evolve. No different for them. In fact, I've just published a book, Regenesis, Book One, The Invasion. And I was given this when I was 25. I nearly published it when I was 34, 35, but Spirit said no. And then when I got to America, when I was 40, I began to write book two, which was 500 pages long. I now know that it'll be more than just book two. And book three is still in my head. And I can see now, through all the years of my involvement, that everything that I wrote so long ago is the answer to what the Egyptians didn't understand about oscillators and transporters. So 
I will be putting a lot more into my book, Regenesis, Book One, The Invasion is just the beginning. And given time with my busy life, I will take Book Two and redo it with more awareness now. And in time, I probably will find that will be Book Two and Three. And in time further still, because I also know where it's going for the transformation of this earth, three and four and five. I just got to find time to do it. But hey, there are other people out there who are also downloading their point of view on the evolution of mankind and the influences of aliens from other worlds that have brought us into this form that we as individual spirits can be here and evolve so we are a complex human being, not just human in the sense that we think about it, but in the sense of a multitude of alien genes that are entwined within us. And little by little, within our brain, that we know we are hardly using much of it at all yet, will come a great deal more information as we evolve in becoming a species that is appreciated not just by us here on this planet, but by species in other dimensions of the cosmos. The last thing that I want to say here is that if you are interested in trying to get out of a state of rejection and you are interested in your DNA, I have several books on these topics. The Rejection Syndrome, Discover Your Baby Spirit, um, Donald Trump, The Enigma of Society, um, The Way to Oneness, uh, revisited. Remember, it's called Journey into an Unknown World. First, the way to one is revisited. Um, there's also quantum entanglement, a paranormal point of view, taking Einstein's theory and expanding it into dynamics that people weren't thinking about. These are all books that I channel from my spirit guides and I have become a conscious medium now. And actually this whole show and all these one-hour talks that I'm giving is us, we, Spirit Guides, myself, I'm the vehicle for me to bring to you this information that you can take or leave according to your own freedom of choice. Because we're all given that freedom of choice. You can choose to be negative and be horrible to people, or you can choose to be nice and loving, or yes, you can choose to be neutral, indifferent. It's up to you to make your choices, and those choices come relative to your ancestry, your DNA, which is why we wrote Donald Trump, the enigma of society, it's not about his politics, it's about his ancestors. And we wrote also the story of my life, my journey into the oneness, where they finally asked me to tell the truth about some of my past lives and my experiences because they said I needed to be vulnerable in order to move on to the next stage of my evolution. And I will say in the mirror image of that, that you too, in fact everyone on this planet right now, having moved from the end of the Piscean Age into the Aquarian Age, are going through vulnerability. You've had fires, you've had floods, you've had so much going on around you, You've become confused, you've lost things, but you are ready for change. Because when you lose everything, you're ready to try something new. So, what I would like to add here is that I particularly like to share that Master Chang, 
who gave me crystal acupuncture and all the other therapies that I have founded on that original ability of healing has proven over time for the last 35 years to be one of the best ways of healing yourself because it moves the meridians, it moves blocks in your energy between your five bodies that make up your aura. And when you get rid of fear, pain, anger, guilt, and loss, memories of all the things that have happened to you that hold you back from becoming a positive person, when that energy is moved, I've seen it time and time again when I or my students have been working on one another, there is a constant release of negativity. They cry, they laugh, they full of joy, and the healing happens so quickly. So, yes, I inherited the DNA for Parkinson's disease. My grandmother had it very badly. She was like Muhammad Ali, and apparently her father had it. My um, father had it, and I developed it at 35 because I'd had the wars, I'd had two bad marriages, I'd had a lot of bad things happening in my life. You can read that in my life story. Uh, and um, there I was, trembling and shaking and aching and couldn't trust anything and didn't know anything and couldn't remember words. And Master Chang came to me and said, pick up your stones that you've collected and laid on people so far, and now we'll teach you something more powerful. And with shards of stones that I picked up off the ground, he taught me how to find the points and treat myself. And within three weeks, I no longer shook. Then came the biggest part of my programming, to de program my history, to stop copying my parents and my sibling and other people, my grandparents and so on and so forth. So when I come back to the reason we wrote Donald Trump, The Enigma of Society, it's about the DNA. It's about deprogramming the history. Because if you copy it, you make the same mistakes and you don't want to have the same mistakes, and you don't want to have the same illness, i.e. cancer, from generation to generation. So if you're ready to learn crystal acupuncture, there's two books, and they're there on Amazon for you to buy. Breakthrough Therapies, Crystal Acupuncture, and Teragram Therapy tells you all the theory, all the things you can understand and what these therapies are. And then when you've read that, you can get the book, the Crystal Acupuncture and Telegram Therapy Book Diagrams, and you can go to whatever your illness or problem is and find that in the book, and you can find the stones that have told you what you would use, and you can put those on the points where it shows you in the diagrams and treat yourself. And it's so cheap because everyone's selling crystals right now. All you want is a point that's been cut, and you can buy those in your local crystal store. And on top of that, you can meditate, because there's lots of people showing you meditations, downloading for free. There's lots of help out there, because those who are light workers like me, are sharing what they have that will help you to change your point of view come from being lost in negativity to becoming neutral and then positive and then going on in your own style and way to help others. Because that's what we do. We improve our status and then we look back from where we've been and we say, aha, I found a purpose. I found a good cause. I'm ready to share. So on that note, it's time to end the show and I ask you, if you like this show, please write me a testimonial, or even better, make me a video testimonial that we can put up on YouTube 
that will help others to learn the things that I'm teaching through this show. In time now, we will be putting these one-hour shows up on YouTube for you to listen to there as well. So be well, be happy, and always be ready for change. Bye-bye for now.